Hi there, my name's Jane Anderson and this is the Jane Anderson Brand You Show. It's the podcast for experts who want to have greater impact, influence and income for their businesses and careers. As experts, we know that people buy from people and work with people who they know, who they like and who they trust. So I'm so glad you're here because it's that time again now to really amplify how you show up in the world. Hi there and welcome to the Jane Anderson Show. I am so thrilled that you are here and that you're joining us for today's podcast. Today I have a very special guest, but before I talk to that, I wanted to share with you a little bit about the type of people who listen to our program and perhaps it might suit you and you might know someone who might like to listen as well. My absolute focus and obsession is helping women to elevate their influence and to really become exceptional advisors in their area of expertise, particularly working with B2B. So the people or business to business. So the women who come on this program typically have consulting practices and range from startup right through to those who have had their practices for some time. They have typically 20 plus years experience and they absolutely love the work they do. They love the clients that they work with and they have built and or on the journey to building the practice and the lifestyle of their dreams. So our guest today that I wanted to introduce you to, she's a really interesting character. So she has had her practice for almost 20 years. She is a psychotherapist by trade, but she came from teaching and education and then also nursing. She has gone on to become an expert in the space around grief and grief, bereavement, particularly counselling and all those sorts of background, but particularly for those who are struggling through grief. But she also has a really interesting side to her practice, which is where she's tapped into organisations who are trying to work with not only to be able to support people who are perhaps going through grief, but in being able to give their team members the skills to be able to work with and support and find the most appropriate way to work with a team member who has perhaps experiencing grief and loss in their life and how can we help nurture them and look after them coming back to work which I think is a really interesting time we have a lot of things going on in the world in terms of the aging population gen y and gen x in the workplace gen x leaders trying to juggle it all dealing with elderly family members plus children and the pressures of being a leader as well so I really wanted to interview our guest today because I think she's got something really unique that she's still leveraging her expertise as an expert in her space and public market, but the corporate market are really starting to connect with her and to be able to leverage her skills, particularly for organisations looking to retain and support and grow and nurture a really great talent. I also have interviewed her today because I want you to hear about how you can think about, we see a lot of people who are sometimes working in the mental health space and going through experiences of high volume and just physically work trying to fit everybody in. There's long wait times and things like that. So I think Kate has a really interesting experience and approach in her practice that she has agreed to share today. So our guest today is Kate Witherspoon, and I hope you enjoy the interview today. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much for being part of the show today. I'm so thrilled that you are here. I know how busy you are. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Jane. I'm so excited to be here. Kate, you have a really fascinating story. Are you happy to share a little bit about your journey and how it's got you to today in terms of your work as a 
grief expert? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I was seven years old when I decided what I wanted to do in my life. Seven. And I've actually done it. I've done it all except being a prima ballerina. I was too short. I wanted to be Mar- Margot Fontaine. That was first on my list. Was it? <laughs> yeah. But then I wanted to be a nurse, a teacher and a psychologist. So I've done all that plus being a psychotherapist and art therapist and sand play therapist. So I sort of said that when I was seven and then it sort of evolved into that somehow as well. Yes. So my cousin actually talked me into being a nurse because she was. So I became a nurse and the first couple of years I spent in Gladesville Psych Hospital, as it was called then. Right. That Mm -hmm. was a great learning. I spent a lot of time in the lock-up ward there with very ill people. Then I went on to specialise in oncology and palliative care and did the certificate in that and spent years and years in that and nursed my dad who had lung cancer and my aunt sort of had every cancer under the sun. You name it, she had it and she had it taken out. And she was a registered nurse too. So it was sort of, I wanted to keep talking about these people, but I found it really, really difficult. After nursing, I went into teaching and right. then I taught primary school and adult ed at TAFE. Right. And in TAFE, I got to see the refugees, like I taught them literacy okay. and numeracy. And right. it was really hard for them to understand what our life was like. So it was me learning their life and them learning ours. Right. And how much they're expected to fit in. Right. And then in primary school, I saw all the kids with, I usually got all the troublesome kids that I called effervescent kids who often had, yeah, (laughs) they were all the kids that had ADHD or some medical problem because I was a registered nurse. And uh, I absolutely loved them because they thought differently to everybody else. They were just brilliant. And, yeah, so the grief around their families and the trauma that they suffered, that sort of sat with me as well. And then because of those careers, I sort of realised that grief is all around us. And I also had a miscarriage in 1982 where. I wanted to talk about my miscarriage and nobody wanted to talk about it right. because it wasn't a baby yet. Oh. So, yeah. So I sort of, when I went into psychotherapy, I specialised in grief because right. I found nobody wanted to talk about death or dying or anything. Yes. And one of my really good friends had brain cancer, like incurable brain cancer and it was really hard for people to talk to her let alone about her dying right and then after that her death so it's like I want people to be able to share their stories and share the generations like if you don't keep sharing people they don't exist like it's like they die twice So I really wanted to get people finding their story to be able to share. 
and knowing what to say. And so if we fast forward, sorry, Kate. Yep. (laughs) Well, then in uh, 2003, I opened my own practice then. Right. Then I started getting coppers, not getting a lot of people. And then I was talking to people. I did a lot of talking to communities and different things and, and volunteering for different places as well. So yeah. I got a lot of clients from there. But yes. people still aren't wanting to talk about death and dying. You know, generally my clients come in and say, my friend said I'm going crazy so I need to talk to a professional. Right. But what they're feeling is grief. Right. And because so we words to it. and Yeah. And their friends are feeling uncomfortable as well. Uh, so it's like don't want to talk about it because they feel uncomfortable. So it's sort of teaching my clients how to be and how to train their friends to be with them as well. And so now today, Kate, you've got this incredible messaging which is all around rediscovering joy, which is it's you've got the positioning around working with people through grief, but you've got this fantastic promise I think where you help people rediscover joy and for those who are listening you might be thinking well how if she's done this sort of with people who are probably paying for themselves they're coming to you as clients how do you make something like this work with organizations like do organizations typically work with someone like you yes (laughs) I've actually had quite a few come to me you know so one of our people have had someone die. We don't know how to deal with it. We want right. them to feel comfortable coming back into the company. Okay. So I've had quite a few businesses calling me and seeing what can I do for them and how can they be helpful and support people coming back into the business. Right. You know, that's such an evolved way of thinking now because like you said, the way we used to cope was just not talk about it. So, but coming back into the workplace, we've got this shift in thinking around the well-being of our people and not just part of well-being is, you know, yes, there's mental health, there's physical health for those organisations that might be doing fatigue management or it might be they've got people traveling or whatever things they do but this is a really different part of well-being around how do we support a team member who is experiencing grief and how can we all come together to sort of support this person I think this is a really fascinating because there's a few things going on right you've got an aging population you've got gen x leaders who make up the bulk of the leaders in the workforce and their challenge is they've got little one they're the sandwich generation at the moment because they've got little ones and they've often got elderly parents that they're looking after so these leaders that are that sort of age is that they're dealing with not only a lot of pressure but if they're dealing with death and grief they're under they're already trying to uh, deal with a lot of pressure they're in a really senior role plus children plus staff plus all these things and then trying to cope with loss in perhaps in family so they're a really vulnerable group of leaders in organizations at the moment that are perhaps going through this and and you're seeing it across multiple industries yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yes. And there was one business up in Queensland that yeah. actually contacted me. She wanted me to see her employee. Okay. And I saw the employee and she didn't want to see a professional just right. yet. She'd okay. been through a traumatic situation. But okay. she said, I really don't want to talk to you. And I said, that's okay. It's all right that you're not ready yet. And so I rang back the business owner, the CEO, and said, you know, I would like to present to you and your company what you need to do to support her. Right. Because it's like, yeah, because... Seeing that are actually struggling more than yes, person who's going through their own processing. It's just the people around them who are actually struggling. That's a really good distinction. Yeah, and sometimes the person is still numb. They don't even know what's going on yet. Right. Especially with such traumatic things happening around people. And with COVID happening, it was like, okay, your person is dying in hospital, you're not allowed to see them, but you can contact them via the iPad, have a Zoom to say goodbye, and that's it. So, And then only a few people were allowed at the funeral. That's the whole tradition stuff gone. And the whole grieving, you know, the beginning of grieving starts with the funeral, with everybody together saying, I miss so-and-so, you know, they were in my life because... Yeah, because like since COVID, we've been told how to grieve, really. Yeah. yeah. You know, here's the Zoom link. I've been to so many funerals on Zoom, it's ridiculous. And it's the saddest thing ever. Is it? To yeah. see just the close family at the funeral, wherever they're having it. And then everyone's on Zoom. You see hundreds of people on Zoom. And it's mm. just, you know, you just want to, hug people and cry with them and it's just so distancing and then that creates the distance like now how do we speak to those people because what do we say to them and Kate some of the organizations you were we were talking earlier a bit about the type of organizations you've worked with so we're talking sometimes like caring type industries like Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's those who are completely different. Who are the type, yeah. what are the types of industries that you've found that you've worked with? Well, I've worked with engineers, which was really interesting because mm-hmm. owner of this business, he was so emotionally intelligent that it was hard for me to think of him as an engineer. What's it like? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a compliment. Let's say it's a compliment. <laughs> But all his people were the same and it was absolutely wonderful. Wow, what a delight. Yeah, yeah. And I've spoken to engineering companies and it's like they think extremely logically, whereas I'm more on the creative side. So I had to have the logical part of stuff happening, but there were other people in there who were creatives as well. Right. That we could have a chat. So, yeah. And for them, though, were they the supporters of a team member coming back to work or something? Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, actually one of the businesses actually rang me from a funeral and an owner rang me from a funeral and said, look, this is horrible. I don't know how we're going to. She, I think she got two, no, three days off to agree and then she had to be back at work. So he said, I don't know what to do. This is so sad. I don't know how to support her. So the next day I went in and spoke to everybody 
and you know taught them how to support her and answered all the questions as well you know like how do we talk to her what do we say right and the thing is it depends on each person as to you know how they grieve as well you know she might not want to talk in the first place and Kate what about other industries like I know we've had a talk about you know places that people suffer caring professionals who suffer from you know some of the challenges around their own mental health and dealing with grief in their jobs is that something that you've done some work with as well yeah I've done work with veterinary nurses which in their training they don't have any course that is around grief nothing really nothing of how to talk to people or anything and vets veterinary surgeons are the one of the highest suicide rates so yeah so it must be incredible pressure for them. You know, yeah. they're very hard people and really care about animals and pets. Yeah. And to, yeah. Because a big part of their job, I guess, is helping animals pass and having to yeah. deal with families. And, and we've got 60% of the population have dogs, I think, in Australia. Yeah. And that's gone up dramatically over the last few years. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of research behind, I think it's the pet council or something in America, talking, which is the whole humanization of pets so we have not just the animal that sits out the back paddock you know how I grew up with my parents parents think about dogs like that my dog between Kalua it's a different day and age with animals and we become attached to them so and I think our vets become attached to them too yeah they yeah they do well we're part we love of the our family. Vet. Yeah, we're part of the family at our vet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they send birthday cards. And, yeah, my mum's cousin actually recently, her three dogs died one after the other. Yeah. And her vet sent her this beautiful letter saying about, you know, all their life and we'll miss yeah. sons, all the three dogs. Oh. And it was just beautiful. Yeah. Oh. And grief only doesn't impact the person whose person has died whose loved ones died it's mm. like everybody an animal dies and it's not only us it's mm. the vet anyone that's had any dealings with them mm. so yeah we've got these professions sorry I get a bit emotional mm. that's really mm. powerful I should mention my dad was a funeral director as you know so I'm not an expert in this space but I've been around it a lot so I think it's mm. a really important conversation for organizations to think about because I think it's a an emerging area of well-being and I think you're in a really interesting position at the moment with the work you're mm-hmm. doing it's so valuable and can we go behind the scenes in your practice a little bit to talk about the type of um and you can share as much or as little as you like so thank <laughs> you for humoring me but you've got a really interesting practice because you've got for those who are listening you probably may or may not be aware but you've got a lot of things happening in this industry with the growth of mental health challenges that people are having. It's not unusual to have sometimes like a nine-month wait to work with a counsellor or a psychologist at the moment. And so people are suffering in organisations. We know that EAP providers, I spoke at the EAP oh. conference before COVID, we know that baby boomers, Gen Y, uh, sorry, Gen X, will be the ones who will hold off on support. But we've got a large amount of people in organisations 
who it typically prior to well prior to about 2018 2019 was that EAP providers provided typically about for a one percent of an organization would need that help now that's around five percent and because we've got a high rate of Gen Y coming into roles that make up a large portion of the workforce, you've got nearly 50% of the workforce, and that's driving that demand for EAP support. And so I think organisations are really in a challenging situation to work out how do we continue to provide this support for people. And you're now coming into a stage in your practice because the challenge for someone like yourself and for those listening, you might be thinking, well, I'm a similar type practice to Kate in that I'm very one-on-one and I'm working at a lower price point than you might be, say, what's seen as an executive coach or something like that, working at $500 to $1,000 an hour. And you're trying to balance your pricing with public market, private market, get those, getting your pricing right, and then also having an offer that you can still support your client's that you're working with one-on-one, but be able to work out how am I going to serve in a more leveraged way? And so you're working on a new program at the moment, is that right? Which is a group kind of online space. I don't want to divulge yep. too much. <laughs> Tell us a little yep. bit about how you've come to this realisation and oh. how it's going to work. We're only allowed to see so many clients per week and I'm at capacity and have been for years for a long, long time now. And I'm just wanting to help more people because there is more grief around. There is more death than dying. There's we need to learn how to grieve and how to help people and support people in their grief, Mm. not hurry them along. So Mm. I want people to learn to slow down and grieve and people be okay with them doing that. So this program that I'm doing is called creatively grieving to rediscover joy I talk about different subjects but I also give you a creative thing to do to support that so it's either art-based or there's three different things that you need to do each week and it's exciting and (laughs) (laughs) I want more people to express their grief and understand their grief so In order to do that, I have to go online to get more people in and see more people because the one-on-one is just not enough to support me. So, you know, support my family as well. So I think it's a great way to get to talk to many as well. So. Yeah. That's exciting, yeah. Kate. So they're going yeah. to you'll start one on ones, but you'll have a way that people can access you and you know you can work with ten people, a hundred people, thousand yep. people. I think this yep. is where people like yourself that are in situations where they've got really high demand, I think you're really leading the way with what other psychotherapists, psychologists, counselors, and to be able to kind of work out a way, how am I going to be able, because this demand is overwhelming and we've got to get better at being able to work with and facilitate, because I'm guessing that in the past, sometimes you might have a group program and it might be six people in a room or eight people in a room, but that's just not leveraged enough. No, that's right. Expertise. So you're really at an exciting time and, cutting edge and I really take my hat off to you for doing this because it's a scary 
space sometimes stepping into so much technology and yes run a pro I mean to run a group public program is quite admin heavy how are you going to do all this yep (laughs) not me that's the right answer (laughs) I have an amazing team behind me you included like you you are my coach who (laughs) has led me on this journey and helped me learn who I need as well because I am a person that can do everything no matter yeah. what yes. and you know burn out really yeah, really absolutely. well yeah. so now I have a social media manager who does all my social media Your socials so, are fabulous by the way yeah. for those who are listening jump on Kate's socials she's done a yeah. great doing a great job yeah sorry oh, thank you yeah well I absolutely love my Laura because we have our monthly conversation and she says, what have you written? You know, this month is about so-and-so, this is what we're going to do. And she does my social media planning for me, sends me the stuff. I send her stuff. She sends me stuff. And it's all done, magical. Great. (laughs) We love people like Laura. Yep, yep. And then I've got Anne, who is my VA, who does my newsletter for me I send out a newsletter weekly and then she puts it onto my website as well and she's doing my kajabi and all that stuff that I have no idea of I send her stuff and magic happens magic happens (laughs) you just need a good team around you and I just have meetings with her yeah and it's just getting clear on what you need as well because what's in my head because I'm a creative person as well I'm not very logical and the way I speak sometimes people get a different idea of what I'm saying so I I have the picture in my head and I've got to clarify that and they'll send me stuff and then I go oh okay right to make this clearer for you (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say that, but I think, oh, okay, that's actually not what I wanted, but, you know, here's an idea of what I want. So, And then there's a bit of back and forth and then, yeah, it's done. But we'll get better at it. It's a huge learning curve for me right now. Yes. And, Kate, I have to ask you, I find it really fascinating about, from your perspective as a grief expert, there's a lot of discussion with AI and there's a few new companies that are creating these virtual realities of, you know, they're capturing people while they're alive. They have all the, what do you call them, all the things on yeah, their body. spots, yeah. <laughs> so they're creating all the digital version of people and they're capturing their voice and saying all sorts of words. So after a person passes, that people can feel like they can still talk to them, they can communicate with them. So AI and picking up perhaps things mm. that they've said or think or so they're just able to talk to these virtual uh, reality virtual <laughs> versions yeah. of someone who's passed. Do you, in your opinion, think that that will help people through the grieving process or not? When I first saw this, I thought, oh, my goodness, that could be so damaging for the right. people if they're by themselves. Okay. Sitting with their loved one just having a chat because they ask them thousands of questions while they're alive mm. and then any questions 
the person who's grieving asks them or talks about, that yes. person has an answer. But if you're sitting at home, like when you are in the early stages of grief, you're numb, you're in shock, and your brain is trying to make sense of the death. Like, how am I going to live without this person? Yes. How is it's like you have a grief brain that is trying to make sense of your life right now. Right. Because without that person, you feel you don't, you can't exist. Like, who are you now? You were a wife, a mother, you know, a lover, and now you're a widow. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So I think it needs to probably be used by professionals, if at all. Because, you know, it would be lovely to speak to them and that's where the magical thinking comes in and wishful thinking, like I really wish I could have one more day. Right. And if you're getting that one more day all the time, what's your brain doing? It's really Does confusing. Does it us to heal? And yeah, yeah, and to mm-hmm. understand your own grief yes. and understand that you exist in this world without the other person now right and that you can yeah photographs are different right because you can talk to that person because we have a continuing bond with the person who has died it's in a different way you can look at the photo like my husband's here (laughs) my husband is here that's him at 30 though i was gonna say is that recent? No. <laughs> Not at all. I've dated it. Isn't that ridiculous? That's uh, interesting that I've done that. But um, he sits there. He was only 30 then, so it's an awful long time ago. But he had a massive heart attack at the end of last year. And the ice could fit. Yeah, he was in hospital for a long time. And in and out of hospital. So I could sit and talk to his image and mm. know what he would say. Mm. So my brain actually said, he's in the hospital, he's in good hands, I'm okay. So if you've got the person sitting across from you, I think that would be really, really hard to understand that that they're dead. Yeah. You know, it's without a professional saying if you want to sit with your person now and but it wouldn't be in the early stages I would imagine for for myself right because really interesting yeah yeah what happens where this goes yeah yeah I have to ask you with your practice tell us what have been your insights or biggest learning from running your practice and what advice would you have from someone who's perhaps thinking about going down this path and this journey into this world don't be afraid <laughs> because my biggest fear, do you know what? I was really fearful of being successful and really fearful of not. Right. Of everybody hating me. Okay. So, yeah, and that's not the case. There will be love-hate as there is in, in life. So I'm not everybody's cup of tea and they're not my cup of tea. Yeah. So, yeah, so don't worry about it. Don't right. worry about what you're doing. Get clear on what you want. Like I think get a good coach if you can first off because I've been through quite a few coaches that Mm -hmm. weren't helpful. But if you can get a great coach, that would be 
really helpful to be able to get your plan in place, get your business plan going and know what you need on your website, what money you need, what support you need. Mm. So if you're a psychologist or a psychotherapist or counsellor, you need a, a good supervisor to support you and confidence. Be confident that you know stuff yeah. and you've lived through stuff. Like all mine is lived and learned experience and people yeah. want you as well. They don't want the academia, they want you. They'll find you and be the face of your business yeah. because that gets people in. I which love- always surprises me. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. Oh, it's really funny because, yeah, people go, like, I saw you on Instagram and you're amazing. And I thought it was like a 10-second thing that I did and it was just a thought bubble that I had that I went on and it just clicked with somebody. So you'll always click with somebody. Mm-hmm. Know that you will. Yes. And it's okay, you, you've got to fail as well. Yes. It's okay to fail, don't be afraid. Still scary, but do it. <laughs> I love that. That's a great girl. So, uh, Kate, sorry, uh, you said don't be afraid, get clear. Sometimes you need a coach to help you to get clear. Have a business plan so you know where you're going. You said be you and uh, even though it's scary it might be, but don't undervalue your face and who you yeah. are. It's been such a pleasure to have you today, Kate. You've got a really fascinating practice and I think you're really playing at the pointy end of what people need. And I'm super excited for you that you're finding a way to help get to more people because I think that's a real challenge for a lot of mental health practitioners and trying to deal with the volume and demand at the moment. So, Kate, if people want to find out more about your work, if they want to follow you, where would you like them to go? I'm on katewotherspoon.com.au. I'm on Facebook under Kate Wotherspoon, Instagram under Kate Wotherspoon. I'm on YouTube. I do conversations with Kate, yes. which people absolutely love. I talk to experts in grief and people who have been through grief as well. And you can sign up to my newsletter on my website. Yes. I'm also on LinkedIn, but not as much as I should not as active be. as the others yeah that's right yeah 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 that's great Kate. so we'll have it in the show notes so jump onto katewitherspoon.com.au or dot com mm-hmm. no dot com.au com.au Kate yeah. thank you for joining us today and for all your generosity and sharing your insights and learnings we can't wait to keep following your journey and wish you every success for the future thanks so much Jane <laughs>